Well, I was only a few weeks into my first semester at Candler School of Theology in Atlanta, Georgia, when the admissions director approached me in the, the hallway and said, hey, do you want to be a, a missions ambassador? And I told him, well, what does that mean? And he says, we'll feed you lunch twice a week to talk to prospective students. I said, say no more. <laughs> Sign me up. It actually was a pretty easy job. That's all it was. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock, I had to give tours to prospective students, and then we would sit down in the same uh, room, and I would just answer their questions about the school, and we would have the same Mediterranean food every single week. Now, I love Mediterranean food, but it gets old <laughs> after a while. I, I really didn't know why the admissions director approached me. I, I didn't really feel qualified to be an ambassador. I didn't know a lot about the school. I didn't know the names or the history of all the different rooms. But I suppose uh, the thing that I was, or the thing that made me most qualified was that I was a member of the community and I was willing to be fed twice a week. See, to be an ambassador of something, right, you have to be a part of the community. It wouldn't have made sense for me to be an admissions ambassador for Candler's School of Theology had I not been part of that community, just as it would have made no sense for me to have gone to another school in the city and pretend to be an ambassador for them. To be an ambassador, you have to first and foremost be part of the community and then be sent out by somebody to represent that community. Hold on to that for just a moment, because we're going to come back to that. For the past four weeks in our Lenten sermon series, we've been exploring baptism from all different angles. And for the past four weeks, we've talked about how our baptismal covenant is that identity-giving sacrament that strengthens us for the wilderness journeys. We've talked about how baptism, in part, is about confessing Christ, and in part, about being part of a covenant community. And just last week, Pastor Gary shared with us about how our baptismal covenant stands on the solid rock of Christ, the solid rock that also propels us into the future in ever more creative ways. Well, and today we end our sermon series because next week is Palm Sunday and then it's Easter, and so Lent is almost over. And as we end this season of talking about baptism and what it means for us. I want to end by talking about how baptism makes us ambassadors for Christ and ambassadors for the new creation. Now, like I said just a moment ago, if we're going to be ambassadors of Christ, we first have to be members of the right community. And this is one of the most profound things that baptism does for us. It takes us and it turns us into members of the beloved community of God. We often call baptism that initiating sacrament, for it is that which initiates us into the family of God. It's that moment where we profess over a child or an adult that God loves you, God claims you, and in Christ Jesus you are now a covenant member of the family of God. This is what the Apostle Paul means when he writes to the church in Corinth, when he says, from now on, we regard no one from a human point 
of view. I think what he's getting at here is that when you're talking about the baptized community, we're not just talking about disparate groups of people coming together trying to live in community. We're talking about beloved children of God. And so we, can, we uh, remain human, we keep our identities, but something more is added to us in that baptismal identity. And we become siblings in Christ. And the way we begin to relate to one another, this is what we talked about just two weeks ago, the way we relate to one another is not just through our humanness, but it is through our belovedness. And this is what Paul is getting at. Regard no one from strictly a human point of view, for in baptism we become members of the family of God. He also talks about reconciliation, how God reconciles us to Christ, how God reconciles us to one another, and this reconciliation is part of what makes us new. This reconciliation, it heals us, it restores us. In baptism, all of our past sins are washed away, everything old is forgotten, and we put on something new. Paul says it this way, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The former things have passed away, and the new has come. Not only are we members of the right community, not only do we become members of the family of God in baptism, but we become ambassadors of the new creation. For in Christ we are new creations. In Christ we are made new, not just in the moment of baptism, but each and every day, right? As we seek to have our hearts and our lives transformed in the image of Christ, we're constantly made new. That's how God works. So often we think of the new creation and of heaven as this far-off distant realm, something that might happen to us far in the future, but as something that has no bearing here on earth. But that's not how the early Christians would have understood the new creation. That's not what Paul means when he's writing to the church in Corinth and saying, you are a new creation. What he's talking about is heaven on earth here and now. For when we participate in the waters of baptism, we participate in the life of Christ, in the life of the one who came down to earth to inaugurate God's new creation in order that all the old ways of sin and destruction and disconnection would pass away and that the new would come through us. Not just sometime far in the future, but here and now. As we say in the Lord's Prayer that we prayed just a minute ago, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. New creation in our midst, burgeoning forth through you and through me. I had a theology professor when I was at Southwestern College And he talked about baptism in a number of ways. And one of the ways he described it to me one time is that baptism is like a portal into the new creation. A portal into the new creation. Now that might sound a little too science fiction for some of us, but I think there's some truth behind what he's saying. Now, 
Uh, I'm going to try to stretch an analogy here, so bear with me for a moment. Uh, I don't know if any of you have seen the show, uh, but I love Stranger Things. Has anybody seen Stranger Things on Netflix? A couple of us. Some of us might not have heard of that show yet. It's about to go into season four, uh, and I won't give you any spoilers because you have to go watch it for yourself, but the key premise of the show is that there are two realms that coexist together. There is the normal realm of existence, and then there is the realm called the upside down, and you do not want to get stuck in the upside down, right? And the key premise here is that the realms, they actually overlap and they have influence over one another. So, so what happens in the upside down can actually affect the normal lives of the people in Hawkins, Indiana. And scattered around the town of Hawkins, there are these places, these thin places where the upside down and the regular realm come together and people can pass between the two. And like I said, you do not want to get stuck in the upside down. And there's a lot of that that happens in the show. I won't spoil it for you. But what I want to suggest is that we too, as Christians, we, we hold this distinction of two coexistent realms. But for us, the other sphere of influence, the other sphere of influence besides our normal world is not the upside down, but the right side up. Not the upside down, but the right side up. The right side up is the new creation. The right side up is God's realm that is inaugurated in Jesus and we participate in through our baptism. The right side up is that new creation where the peace of God reigns on earth as it does in heaven. It's that place where the sick are healed, where bodies are healed, where the dead are raised. The right side up is the place where racism and xenophobia do not exist. They simply have no place. The right side up is that place where mercy and grace are not just signs of tolerance or political correctness, but are signs of God's deep and abiding love permeating the world and permeating you and me. The right side up is that place where the poor have enough, where inequality simply has no place. It is the new creation. It is the vision of God breaking into the world. And in our baptisms, we become participants and ambassadors of this new creation in the midst of a world that continues to be broken. And whenever we gather as the community of the baptized here on a Sunday morning, our vision of that right side up becomes clearer and clearer. Whenever we gather to celebrate a baptism or to remember our baptism, we remember that this is who we are. It's part of our liturgy. It's part of what we say each and every time we have a baptism. I actually have a part of it up here on the screen for us. Um, 
And this particular phrase, this comes right after the moment of baptism. So right after the pastor lays hands on the baby or on the adult and the baptism happens, these words are the words that we all say together over our new sibling in Christ. So let us say these words together as we remember what this means for us. Through baptism, you are incorporated by the Holy Spirit into God's new creation and made to share in Christ's royal priesthood. We are all one in Christ Jesus. With joy and thanksgiving, we welcome you as members of the family of Christ. Two things in there. We become members of the family of Christ, and we are incorporated into the new creation. Incorporated into the right side up, and I would say made ambassadors for Christ. Of course, we don't always get it right. It's easy to think, okay, so if you become baptized, you're part of the new creation, well, you should sin no more. Everything should be perfect. Everything should be rosy, but that's not the case. And Lent of all seasons of the church year is the time where we remember that, where we struggle to live into our call to be members of the new creation. We, we acknowledge that we still live in a world that is broken and fallen, even amidst God's in-breaking new creation. Lent is the time where we remember that even though we are dust and to dust we shall return, that God is still making all things new. So as we end this season of Lent and we move into a time of remembering Christ's passion and Easter, let us not forget that we are ambassadors of the new creation. Let us seek to be a people who live by the right side up, not by the upside down, to do all we can in small and large ways to participate in God's reign of peace, not just on heaven someday way in the future, but right here on earth, because it's available to us here and now. Now, there's one more thing that I want to say as I close And that is that I know that not all of us in this room and not all of us tuning in online um, are baptized. And if you are sitting here and you haven't been baptized yet, the last thing that I want you to hear is that you do not belong. I firmly believe that even if you haven't been baptized, that God loves you, God knows you, and God claims you. And yet, as we move into a season of Easter, I want to invite you, if you have not been baptized yet, but you've been thinking about it, or are curious, what does baptism mean for my faith journey, we would love to talk to you. We would love to get to know you and uh, have a discussion about how baptism can be part of your journey, how you can be inaugurated into this new creation and become an ambassador for Christ. For in Christ, everyone is able to be made new. And that's good news. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.